What a crazy, crazy few weeks um, the world has had and South Africa has had, I guess, particularly in the last week. And it's in these times where we are so tempted to anxiety and fear and it rightly raises huge questions about where our trust is really placed and it feels like the whole world in some way is shaking. I was running with one of my friends this week and he was sharing that the the financial market has crashed quicker than it ever has in the past over this last over this last month. Um, people are facing joblessness and businesses are facing all sorts of trials and as the church we've got to be really creative around how we can help in these times. Or it might even just be that your world is shaking because of fears around health and about someone that you love or a parent or a grandparent or someone that you worried about in this space. And so as as the world is fishing around for some kind of lifeboat uh, in crises like this, if we can just find a piece of driftwood that we could just hold onto anything that we can just get our hands into and hold onto, as Christ followers, we get to come to the beautiful Word of God and not just the Word of God, we get to come to God Himself revealed through His Word to be reminded that He's overall that he is bigger than all of this, that it hasn't taken him by surprise. And so what we're going to do this morning is that we're going to study Psalm 46 together. It's a beautiful psalm. And it's a psalm about how unshakable our God is. How unshakable our God is. And along the way, I'm going to ask you to push pause on the video and we'll have moments where we reflect. If you're on your own, you can just do personal reflection, but we'd really love to encourage you over the weeks to come to link up. You can sign up on our website. We've redesigned things there. You can sign up to be part of a group and you can be part of a digital group that's going to contact one another while the Sunday service is going on. And as we kind of do this in the next weeks and we push pause, you'd be able to then discuss things with them but hopefully you you're with a family or with you you with a few loved ones this morning and so you can have these discussions and prayer times as we as we push pause so let's read together psalm 46 god is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way and mountains fall into the heart of the sea Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. As we come to his word this morning, let's close our eyes and let's be in prayer. Father, thank you that your word in the midst of crazy seasons of our life is just as true as ever. We bring ourselves and our anxieties and our fears and everything that we're facing and we want to bring it before you and submit to your word. Give us hearts that are open to receive it. Give us minds that are 
able to hear you and to understand what it is you want to say to us, Father. We bless you for this time, even as we do church in such a different way and think of millions of people around the world gathering around TVs and iPads and laptops to worship you and to hear your word preached in this creative time. We want to thank you for what's available to us today that we can still meet as we are. We praise and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I was thinking this week of a memory that I have, a very strong memory that I have when I was a child. And I was, I was a child in the 1980s and there was this one thing that, that terrified me. And I didn't quite understand what it was, but I, but I heard the grown-ups talking about it and it was communism. And communism just petrified me. And I would, I would as I was growing up, and maybe I was about five or six years old, I would say to myself, you're a big boy now. You don't have to be scared. You're a big boy. You're a big boy. But that fear would, would rise up inside of me. And I would, I would keep saying to myself, you're not afraid. You're not afraid. But I really was terrified. And I'd reach a point where I'd have to run to my parents or, or some kind of relief for this fear. I have one distinct memory of this dream that I had. And at some early hours of the morning, after I'd had this dream about these nebulous communists, um, I remember stumbling down the, the hallway in the pitch black. And we had this farmhouse with a long passage to my parents' room. And I remember stumbling down that hallway, just desperate to get to my mom and dad, just desperate to get to them so that I could find that relief and that safety that I was looking for. And this, this psalm reminds me a little bit of that when we read God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. This is the part. I'm like, I'm like, amen. Uh, give me some of that. Give me some of this not fearing stuff. But the problem is that we are afraid. And the problem is that at times we do fear. And at times we would even say that we're terrified. And so when we come to God's word, we can come with that authentically and put it before God. We don't have to pretend that we aren't afraid in these moments. And what happens is that as we try to convince ourselves like that little child, no, I'm not going to be afraid tonight. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. Those words begin to ring hollow in the face of the emotions that if we're honest, we know that we are feeling. And just like that little child, you can't force a I will not fear. You can't lie in bed and struggle to sleep because of the anxiety that's going on in your heart and just fake sleep or just pretend to sleep. No, these things, these things are real. And this is, this is how the psalmist reasons in Psalm 46. He, he basically goes to the extremities and he takes the, the most scary, frightening um, phenomenon imaginable. It's, it's, the, it's the apocalypse. And he, he, this is what he writes about. And he says, the earth gives way. The mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. So the mountains are, are surging like the sea. And you can imagine him in his mind standing on the hilltop watching mountains dissolve into dust and just falling into the sea. And he feels the ground beneath him beginning to shake. And he knows that the hill that he's standing on is about to disappear into the sea as well. It's, it's the most terrifying picture you could imagine right and the psalmist is is thinking of of this terrible thing happening in the world now let me let me ask you there's there's no way in all the world that i'm going to be able to face what the psalmist is writing about and i don't think any of us would be able to 
without feeling absolute terror to the depth of my to the depth of my bones and and I could stand there and like that little child that I was many years ago I I could say over and over again I won't be scared I won't be scared I won't be scared I'm not going to be scared but what the psalmist realizes and what's so beautiful and what he reminds us of today is that it's not about my ability to not be afraid it's not about my ability to try and convince myself that I'm not afraid. It's about God's ability to rescue us. It's about God's ability to rescue you and rescue me and rescue South Africa and rescue the world through everything, not just the coronavirus, but everything that we're facing. Look at what he says in in verse 1. God is our refuge. That means he, he builds a place for us to hide underneath. That means that I don't have to build that place. I don't have to keep everything in place and make sure my finances and everything else are perfectly in place. No, I have to run and hide. He's the refuge. I run and hide. Then he says, God is our refuge and strength. When I feel so weak and I have no strength, God is my strength. He is an ever-present help. That means he's, he's always there. When there's trouble, there's God. When there's trouble in my life, there's God. When I'm afraid, there's God. And therefore, he says, because of that, because I can run to God, because when I'm weak, he gives me his strength, because he's always there when I'm in trouble, because of that, I will not fear. Do you get it? We have to run to someone bigger. We have to run down that passage of our lives, stumbling with, the, with a communist dream in our minds or a coronavirus or, or our finances have tanked this week or we might face job loss or we might face the death of a loved one or whatever it is that's terrifying us. We've got to run to someone bigger and draw on their strength and hide under their refuge, what they, the, the refuge they create for us and draw on them as our ever-present God in time of trouble and therefore remembering his reasoning, right? Remembering what he was saying that that if I think about the worst thing, the apocalypse, the end of in the world in these times, we need to be reminded that God is bigger than any earthly catastrophe that we can imagine. And when we can remember that, then everything else, the psalmist says, man, I've gone to the end of the world. I've gone to the apocalypse. God, anything smaller than that, and that's everything, right? He's bigger. He can deal with it. And so because we know that to be true, then we know that he can deal with everything else. So here's the first point that we're going to speak about this morning. Or this is the, I've already spoken about it, but this is the first point. God is bigger than our greatest fears. God is bigger than our greatest fears. So what I'm going to ask you to do now in a moment is to push pause on the video and some discussion questions will come up but this is what they're going to be the question is this what is making you most afraid right now what is making you most afraid and why don't you if you're sharing digitally with your life group or with some other friends why don't you discuss that question if you're with your family this is a beautiful moment for age-appropriate 
um, time to just share your fears and ask them about their fears that they are facing right now and the questions that they might have. And I want to really encourage you, remember that we can be authentic here. God already knows that we're afraid. We're not, we don't have to somehow feel like we're deserting our faith to admit that there are times when we're afraid. Our faith is not based on us anyway. We are going to be afraid. And then we're going to have a response. And this is the response. I'd love for us to pray together into those fears that come out as we're speaking. If you're just on your own, hey, can I just encourage you just to personally reflect on this or get your journal and just journal and then pray and ask God to help us in those fears. And then I want us to take some time just to thank Him that He is our refuge, that He gives us His strength and that He is ever present, always there, whenever it is that we have trouble in our lives. So we've just been discussing God is bigger than our biggest fears. But the second thing that the psalm shows us so beautifully is that God is able to rescue. God is able to rescue. Let's read from verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Now, when we read that, it can sound really poetic and psalmy and it doesn't really make much sense. So we can just check out. But what's actually happening here is that the city of God is Jerusalem. And it says that there's a stream or a river that makes glad the people of Jerusalem. And what the psalmist has in mind here is that there's, there's a city of Jerusalem under siege. They've been surrounded by a hostile army. And as we know, what they would usually do is that the army would surround a city and they would effectively starve them out or wait until they had no more water or had no more food and they flushed them out. And in that moment, the city would be surrendered. But what, what happens in the city of Jerusalem is that there's a well-known fact that there's a little stream which runs underneath the city wall and then it bubbles up inside the city. And so there's a stream who makes glad the city of God, Jerusalem when they are under siege because they are able to survive. It sustains them. It holds them in the midst of their, of their, most, difficult, their most difficult trial. Isn't it incredible to know that as Christ followers, as those who follow Him, we have a secret stream. We have the Holy Spirit who bubbles up inside of our hearts, bringing comfort, bringing joy, bringing life when we face incredibly difficult scenarios, enabling us to say, God is my refuge. God is my strength. He is my ever-present help in time of trouble because He's a stream inside of me. Inside of me. You can't take Him away. And this, this point is so, so important and so critical because sometimes as, as Christians, we can, we can kind of go through the motions of saying, well, God's big and we do this with one another. And so when someone comes to us with a fear or an anxiety, we just say, well, well, just trust God, brother. God is big. God is bigger than that. And, and I was trying to say that in the first point. And it's so important that we do realize and remember that God is huge and he's bigger than whatever it is we're facing. But then he comes and he says, not only that, but I'm also able to rescue you. I've also put the Holy Spirit inside of you as a stream would rescue, a stream inside a city would rescue that city from a surrounding army. So it is that the stream inside of us rescues us. And so the secret stream that we can access is not just 
God is big, which can sometimes make us feel like I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid in the story I was telling earlier on. But it's also that we can come before him and worship. And as we worship, our eyes are lifted up. Our perspective is enlarged again. Or we can come before his word and we can remind ourselves as we meditate upon it and let it drop into, the, into our hearts, from our head into our hearts. And suddenly we're reminded of why we are no longer afraid. We see not just, we don't just hear that our God is big, but we, we taste and we see that our God is big. Prayer does that for us so beautifully. All, all of these things are, are effectively how we, we run to Him. How we, we grapple our way down the dark passage to the Father. And we say, I'm here and I'm afraid. And He says, it's okay. I'm with you. So we're going to pause the video again and we're going to have a quick discussion. And we, we've spoken about already what, what makes me most afraid. But what I want to do now is I want to just get a little bit practical. And I want to ask you, what are the secret streams that you've discovered in your life that help you as you as you feel like a city under siege as you feel terror or or fear what are the secret streams is it worship is it prayer is it devotion is it community i mean what a beautiful thing that community helps us to keep our eyes on the bigness of who God is. So in our groups, let's talk about that a little bit and then we're going to respond and this is how we're going to respond. We're going to spend some time talking about some of the amazing opportunities that this crisis provides for us to access these secret streams of the Holy Spirit within our hearts. Guys, we have some huge opportunities. Many of us are not traveling into work anymore. And those hours have been carved out of our day as we work from home. Mothers and fathers, some of you are staying at home for the first time for many weeks in a row. You're going to be at home together because one of you or one of you can't travel. Um, there's less social engagement. So we have more time. And so the response is, I want to just think through what are the opportunities that this crisis presents for us. And then to make some commitments as a family or as a life group or as a group of friends to say, man, I'm going to use my time for this. I don't want to waste it just on watching the series that I haven't seen on Netflix or whatever it may be. I'm going to use my time for this and just put some markers in the ground for this next season. And so as you finish that discussion, we've spoken about a God who's bigger than our greatest fears. We've spoken about a God who's able to rescue. And then we come to the last point that the psalmist makes. And he says this, he says, come and see what the Lord has done. Verse 8, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the, the, the problem is that when the psalmist says, come and see, come and see what your God has done, we kind of think he's going to say something wonderful. Um, but instead, on the surface of it, it's, it's, it's like a window into a terrifying movie. It's desolation. He's brought desolation upon the earth. It's, it's the war to end all wars. And what does all this mean? And, and how in the world is this, is this supposed to comfort us? We would ask the the psalmist, and when you read this, this part of the psalm, you, you, you kind of see a, a picture of how ferociously huge um, God is. And I was, 
I was listening to John Piper recently on, on something like this and he was saying that for a Westerner, it's with, with a fairly protected life, it's almost impossible to read and, and understand this because we've never lived through some, of, some real terror. We've never lived through um, a hurricane or a mob surrounding us or any of these, these really terrifying things or a flood or, or up until now, uh, a virus that's sweeping across the world. Um, if, if you've never lived through something like that, if you've never lived through any of these kind of scenarios, then you read a passage like he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire and it's just like, whew, it's just straight over the, the top of our heads. But if you, if you have faced a bow, in fact, if you faced a thousand bows and there's, there's a thousand bows pointing right at your heart, or, or if you think about the, the kind of world that these guys, the psalmist and, and these people would have lived in, there would have been armies full of chariots. So there's a hundred or two hundred or a thousand horsemen with their chariots and you standing there as a little foot soldier and their chariots have these huge iron wheels and the horses are going to come running at you. It's going to be absolutely terrifying and you use your imagination for a little bit. And you begin to realize why it is that he's able to say what he's saying in the psalm. You see, because what do you need when you're facing terror? What do you need? What kind of God do you need? You need a God who's able to come in and crush that terror. You need a God who's able to come in and to destroy those chariots and to throw them into the midst of the sea as we see happening with the Egyptians or to tangle their wheels or to do something, to do anything. God, rescue me, God. This is terrifying. See, one of the, one of the reasons we have such a hard time feeling safe among, uh, amidst language of terror is that we've never tasted hostile terror for ourselves. So if you're facing genuine terror, you're desperate for a greater terror, as it were, to come in and, and defeat the terror that you are, that you are facing. So there's, there's a mob of a thousand people surrounding you. We don't know what that feels like. For, for us, you know, maybe we've had a, a bicycle stolen or maybe the one time we were burgled or, or this or that. Or, or, and these are like the sufferings of Paul Hodson. You know, this is my suffering. Or maybe, I don't want to patronize you, maybe you have been in some really terrifying situations. And let me ask you, when you were in that situation, what, what kind of God were you longing for? What were you longing for to happen or for, for somebody to arrive in the moment of your greatest terror? What did you want that person to be? You wanted them to be strong and to be more terrified than the terror and to terrify the terror. If I was surrounded by a thousand people in a mob at that moment, I would want to know the scariest psalm that there was. I would want to cling to the scariest psalms where the most terrible things were happening to the people and there was a siege and there was destruction and there was brokenness and terror. I would cling to that psalm with all my heart and say, God, rescue me like you rescued them. In that moment, I want a scary God to come and push back the forces of evil against me and against my loved ones. I want a scary God as we face the consequences and the rollout of coronavirus around the world or any other crisis that we face. And so the third thing is that God terrifies what terrifies us. See, the Psalms are, are, are written 
where so many scenarios just kind of go over our head because we've we've never experienced them and so we write them off as irrelevant until now until now and now we're crying out for a god who is able to to break the bow to shatter the spear to to burn the shields and the days will come and the days are now we are we are in a crisis like this where we need to apply this psalm into our lives and we begin to realize god our refuge when everyone else is panicking and buying toilet paper we hide in you god our shield god our rock God, our our safe place, thank you. Thank you, God, that you are terrifyingly strong. Thank you, God, that you will break the bow, shatter the spear, burn the shield. And then the psalm ends with this very quoted verse. Be still and know that I am God. But I, I don't think, I think often we interpret this in a very quiet and and contemplative way like we're like we're sitting on a on a yacht somewhere and it's just really quiet and we've got a pina colada in our hand and it's it's that kind of like be still you know like be restful all the kids are asleep it's eight o'clock we can get on with our evening i don't think that's at all what god is saying here in the context of war and and shattering shattering uh shields and spears and and arrows and all of these things i think this is more like uh, we should read it like jesus standing up and rebuking the storm and he says be still Quiet! Stop it! Get down! I think that's how this writing is be still. He he commands the ceasing to the ends of, of of the earth. He commands wars to cease. He commands a time and a place that's coming where every war will cease. There will be no more war. Where every bow will be broken. Where disease will be beaten. With those that we've lost through cancer, we'll see again and they will have no more cancer. Their emaciated bodies will, will no longer be like that. Where, where sin has ravaged our relationships, it will no longer be like that. There is coming a time where there will be no coronavirus carrying cell or HIV cell or TB cell or anything else that ravages our world. Now God says, I will destroy. And we need a God like that. We need a God who terrifies what we are terrified of. And the psalmist says, come and see, come and see my God, come and see what my God can do. And so when you, when you zoom out and you look at this whole psalm, you, you realize that what the psalmist is doing is he's giving three reasons for this greatness of why we can trust in God. He's, he's taking the most humbling, frightening, natural phenomena of, the, of all the mountains falling into the sea. And he says, God is bigger. God is bigger. Then he takes the most daunting situation that a nation or a people could face where their whole town the whole of Stellenbosch has been surrounded by a hostile army who won't let us out and he says no but I've got a I've got a way of sustaining you I've got a way I've got a I've got a secret stream I've got a river which will come up inside of your city and it will sustain you and and nourish you and God provides and he gives us the refreshment and the and the sustenance and the Holy Spirit and prayer and meditation and community and all of these beautiful beautiful gifts gifts that he gives us and then he and then he his third thing is he says you you stand as a soldier before a terrifying onrushing army but God 
says, I will destroy them. I will crush them. I'll make it the earth desolate. There'll be peace forever and ever. I will get rid of this army that's coming against you. And so here's the thing I want us to discuss. When have you felt surrounded by enemies like this? Have you ever felt that? And you've desperately needed God to come and break the bow, to shatter the spear, to burn the shield. I want to just encourage us in our digital times or even just as we contemplate, if we're on our own, reflectively before God. Lord, when have you done that in our lives? And if we're with others, why don't we take some time just to share these stories of encouragement with one another? And so as we come to the end of our time this morning, we, we ask this question, how can we have this future? How can we have this future where, where the psalmist says, come and see what I have done. And we, we realize that he can promise us a time where wars to the ends of the world will cease. I mean, just, just stop and just think about that for a moment of the devastation that war is doing around the world in 2020 and what it's done in the, in the last centuries. And just think that our God promises that that will cease. Think think about a God who says everything will be quiet before me. I will command it and it will be quiet. Think about a God who says I will be exalted among all the nations. And and you say, well, how, how can we have this future? How can this be true? Well, it's true because there was a God man. Philippians says he was God made flesh. And his name was Jesus and Jesus came and this is what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew. He says, we we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised to life. And this story, the fourth point that I want to make this morning. This, the Gospels give us the greatest of all the rescues. Psalm 64 and a city surrounded and God rescuing it. That's not the greatest story. The earth falling and shaking and falling into the sea. That's not the great rescue. It's not you standing terrified before an onrushing army of chariots and horsemen and God coming and breaking the bow and smashing the spear and and breaking the shields. That's not the greatest rescue. The greatest rescue of all is the story of Jesus Christ and his rescue of us that he laid himself down. This is how we know that God is able to deliver with the strength that he promises in Psalm 46. This is how we know that he's good for his promise. That though he was God, he made himself man. And when he was man, he died. And he didn't choose to rescue himself. This is the crazy part. Scripture says that Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, 10,000 angels to take him down from the cross, but he didn't. So he postponed, put aside his rescue because he wanted to rescue us. That, That is the most incredible rescue. He faced the great terror, death. He faced the great siege. He faced the earth shaking and crumbling and there was literally an earthquake as he died 
But then the critical part, here's the crucial part. He rose again. And so while he temporarily allowed himself to be defeated and the evil one rejoiced, actually he was triumphant and he rose again. And with that rising, he took death. The greatest of all terrors, right? All of our fear comes to, comes to a fruition in, in death, comes to a head in death. And Jesus beat him. He beat him. He beat death and then he comes to us as followers and he says, I give that promise to you. You're going to live forever. You too are going to rise again. And when you do, and when you do, and you're in the new heaven and the new earth, there's going to be no more war. There's going to be no more disease. I'm going to rule. Every nation on earth is going to exalt me. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. The most ardent atheist on earth today is going to cry out and declare, My Lord and my God, you alone can I worship. Everything will be quiet before our God. Amen. I hope you've been so encouraged in your home church this morning. I hope that as We've been talking through and discussing this, that God by His Spirit has been with you, been blessing you, been speaking to your heart, been lifting your eyes to see Him. I just want to encourage you to pray for one another much in this time. Pray for our nation. Pray for the vulnerable. Remember that our dependency is on God. He alone can rescue. Remember that it doesn't profit a man to live in a virus-free world if he loses his soul. So we need to cry out like never before that God would rescue sinners would rescue those who are far from him, prodigal sons and daughters, and bring them home. We need to pray. And I want, I want you to know, One Hope, that we are praying for you. Your leaders, your life group leaders, the elders, we are praying for you. And we'll continue to do so as we go through this. Bless you. We'll be with you again next week. Love you guys.